when we linger, and I understand that that it's, it's a frightening thing to change sometimes. You're so used to being miserable that the idea of getting outside of that is a frightening thing. What mm-hmm. kinds of changes is, is this going to require? But the beautiful thing is that you can come to God in all of your weakness and you can say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm afraid of what this is going to cost me. I'm afraid of the changes. But that was the place. It's almost like, you know, when you're an addict, you've got to be so miserable being where you are that you're willing to do whatever it takes. Dr. Georgia Pointer's vision is to encourage as many people as she can in their walk with Christ. Whenever darkness of sorrow, fear, or discouragement exists around her, her passion is to shine the light of Christ. Overcoming so much of what this book is about, she delights to show others how to find healing for every hurt. She firmly believes every hurt can be healed through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and by the power of His Word. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, we welcome the author of A Christian Woman's Guide to Overcoming Messy Emotions by Dr. Georgia Pointer. Georgia, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you, Byron. Good to be here. Hey, I'm so glad we got together. And as we're trying to record a show, we're dealing with some messy emotions right now. We're trying (laughs) to not allow them to conquer us, right? Amen. That's right. (laughs) Technology sometimes is not our friend. That's right. But we're so glad to have you here. Take us back to when you started writing this book. It just came off the press. How long has it been in the works? Actually, um, this book started as a Bible study at my church, at Faith Baptist Church. My women's ministry director approached me about a topic. The topic of emotions came up, and then I taught the study to the women, and then it just seemed like it was God's plan for me to put this in book form so that other people could enjoy this and, and benefit from the truths that the Lord showed me. First of all, just a little introduction here. You received your Bachelor of Arts degree in Biblical Studies at Blue Mountain College in Mississippi. Correct. Of course, you received your Master of Christian Education from Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary right here in Memphis, Tennessee. I did. And then you went on to earn your Ph.D. in Christian Counseling through Cornerstone University in Louisiana. That's correct. How did you meet Keith? He came to sing at a church. I was a college student and home for the weekend, and he came to sing. The funny thing is that initially we didn't hit it off, but then a year later, you know, the Lord caused our paths to cross again, and I thought, oh, he's kind of (laughs) cute. So, now, what was it that you didn't hit it off? Was it something he did or said? You know, just the chemistry just wasn't there. I don't know. I will have to say that it was was old-fashioned day, and so I was dressed looking like Granny Clampett, so maybe that has something to do with it. Hey, but, you know, you're giving some hope to those out there that have tried to initiate a relationship, and it hasn't happened, so maybe there's still hope, right? Absolutely, there is. Wait for God's timing. That's what I say. Georgia, take us to your life as a timid, insecure, and hurting 13-year-old girl. What was the environment and the circumstance that contributed to that insecurity? Yes, I grew up in a home. You know, my parents loved me, but school life, public school life was very, very difficult for me. I was the very quiet, timid, nerdy type girl. And, you know, looking back now, I realized that being quiet was just a way of announcing that everyone to everyone that they could pick on me. Also, I didn't wear the fancy clothes and and, and all of those kinds of things. And, you know, you know how kids can be. They were they were mean and ugly to me. And I mean, they were bullies. In they your were life. absolutely they were bullies. And I, I just felt everything very deeply. I remember one one day a boy just turned around. We were just walking home from school. He turned around, looked me in the face and said, you are so ugly. And just, I mean, it just cut me. You know, people think you should just let those things just roll off your off your back. But I just wasn't. I just kind of absorbed all of those things. And it was just really difficult, you know, just being a quiet kid that that everybody liked to pick on. 
And there really are those times we feel these emotions. They show up, and they're not invited. Exactly. <laughs> they do come. They do. And they can get messy at times. And that's one of the Absolutely. reasons why you call the book yes. in the title there. Yes. You're speaking to the heart of all of us. When I was starting to read the book, I'm thinking, yes. I mean, yes. these emotions do get messy. And a lot of times as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, yes. Georgia, we associate that, and then we start questioning our relationship with Christ, and there's yes. so much, and we're going to dive in, there's a lot to dive into here, yes. Yes. but you say, as a Christian, you want to love the Lord with all your mind, but it keeps filling up with thoughts that do not reflect Christ's love and purity. Why does this keep happening to us? The short answer is because we're human. <laughs> we're sinful creatures, um, but when we come to know Christ, you know, and we learn that he wants us to be loving, he wants us to be forgiving and all of those things. And then you look in your spiritual mirror, if you will, and you discover that you're not looking like Christ. You're not your emotions are not the way that, that you want them to be. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to be jealous. You don't want to be, you know, angry and those kinds of things. And so there's that paradox. You want to be like Christ, but you see that you're everything but like him. And so there's the conundrum. And so that's the reason why I wrote this book, because um, when I was in my 30s, just it's like a whole lot of different emotions that I was feeling all came to a head. And I had heard that I could be set free from those things. And I was a church attender, but I did not know how to apply what I was reading so that it became a reality. Uh, there was one particular incident that I talk about in the book where I was just really slighted and snubbed and treated very in a very unchristlike way uh, by a, another individual in a church. And I remember thinking, Lord, I'm so tired of feeling like this. I have heard somewhere that I can be set free, and I really need you to help me. And it really drove me to the scriptures to ask the Lord to show me who I was in Christ and how I was supposed to not feel the things that I was feeling. Because for a long time, I just denied that those emotions were there. Right, right. Because a good Christian's not supposed to feel these things. Yeah, and you, you even <laughs> say in your book that even after we confess and repent, we yes. think that we're doing better. Yes. Only to find those emotions grow back like yes. mold. It's a fungus among us. You know? Yes, I love that. That's a good one. Yes, it is a fungus among us because we're all fighting a battle, you know, between the flesh and the, and the spirit. And we're trying to, you know, become that one person that God wants us to be. But the truth is that we're all in progress. You know, we may be having victory in one particular area of our lives and looking like Christ. But then there's other things on the back burner, you know, that maybe the spirit hasn't really right. you know, started working with just yet or we haven't worked with yet. And it's it's not where it's supposed to be. So it's we're always going to be a work right. in progress. But uh, the goal is to become more and more like Christ. And, and those answers are found in his word. Well, you say there are two truths that help make this journey fruitful and encouraging. What are those two truths? OK, the first truth is that the knowledge that God loves you. If you can get your mind around that, that invites us to come before God and be very transparent with him about where we are and what we feel. Because oftentimes, you know, when we when we think about God, of course, we want to put our our best foot forward. We want to look the best and be what we're supposed to be with him. But that begins with being honest about where we are mm. and what we think and yes. feel. But if you know that God loves you, you recognize that you can come to him in all of your nakedness and all of your your vulnerability and all of your hurt and all of your pain yes. and be honest with him, first of all, and let him know, say, Lord, I'm hurting. When you talk about how these bullies and you have this non-reinforcement of, you know, somebody comes up and says, you're ugly. Yes. And you hear all this negativity and you already had this insecurity 
And then trying to wrap your heart around, your mind around the fact that God really does love me. Yes. That can be a big obstacle. Absolutely. And 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 recognizing that what he says about you trumps everything else mm. that you're feeling and, and whatever what everybody else is saying about you. That was the first thing. Because I knew in my head, Byron, that God loved me. But it had not yet reached my heart. And the day that it actually reached my heart, it set me free and so many ways because you know you can you can hear that he loves you but yes. but to actually see it it's it, it's a special moment even an example at church yesterday you know you're singing these worship songs and i remember singing a song you know i will love you always lord yes and then in my heart going can you really sing that yes you know it, yes. it, it causes these <laughs> it, you know what i'm talking about i absolutely know what you're talking said, about seriously are you really going to say that yes. it's that other voice Exactly. It's trying to create doubt. Yeah. And, you know, the beautiful thing is that God knows exactly where we are. And and we have to be honest and say, Lord, I'm not loving you as fully as I know I should. Yes. But I do love you. Yes. And my love for you is a work in progress as well. But the love that I do have for you right now, that's what I'm offering to you, Lord, recognizing oh. that, that there's more love that, I, that needs to be cultivated in me. And as soon as I get it, Lord, I'm going to send it right back to you. Yes. Well, I'd like it in your book, you encourage your readers to start with a prayer, asking God to show you what he sees that needs correction. Yes. Ask him then to show you how to become more like him. Is that a prayer that you've prayed and you've seen God answer? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And again, that foundation of knowing that, that God loves me, I can come Come to him and say, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm inviting you to search to show me. Uh, I think the psalmist said, search me, O God, and, sh- and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me yeah. and then lead me yes. in the way of everlasting. Because when you come to God, recognizing that he's not going to condemn you, he wants to correct you and conform you. There is great freedom in that vulnerability. Yes. And so we can pray that with all sincerity and, and trust him to do what needs to be done in our heart to conform us to his image. Georgia, you quote a verse out of Galatians. The Apostle Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes. Is this the direction for that greater victory that you're talking about? Absolutely, yes, because, you know, we try so hard to be good and to be what we're supposed to be. But the good news is, and the truth is, that we can't be those things. That's the whole reason why Christ came in the first place, because you couldn't do all those things. Yeah, yeah. And so so as you, you, you recognize that, then you can stop fronting. You can stop pretending that you're not feeling these things. And then you say, Lord, I cannot. I cannot love this person. I cannot forgive that person. I can't not be jealous. But you can give me that power to do that. And so that's where the freedom comes, where you come to him and you recognize that you're not all you need to be. But he is in you and through you. And you become more like him because he he lives out his life within you. Yes. You know, Georgia, we address different issues in our life, whether it be a relationship, uh, maybe it's a a diet, you know, we're trying to do, or maybe Mm -hmm. be more faithful in our devotional life. Uh, When it comes to addressing our emotional health, you say, don't get in a hurry. It's a journey that deserves time to ask honest questions and then ponder long enough to produce good answers. Uh, What are some of those honest questions that we need to ask ourselves and we need to ponder for long periods of time? Yes. Well, I'll start with with one particular one. The jealousy issue was a real sore spot in my life. It was a very big stronghold. And the interesting thing, Byron, is that I didn't even realize that that was what was going on. 
I encountered a situation in my life where things were changing, you know, for someone uh, that I love very much. And I have these ugly feelings. And at first I thought, I'm just having a bad day. I'm tired. I'm irritable or whatever. And then and then eventually over time, the Lord had to look at me straight in my face. It's like he hit me between the two eyes. He said, Georgia, you are jealous. And it just really stabbed me. I was like, oh, my goodness, I really, really am. I won't say that I never experienced that before, but it was so very intense. And then I tried not to feel that way. I thought, okay, Lord, you said that I'm jealous, so I'm just not going to be jealous. I'm just, I'm just, (laughs) I'm just, I'm just not going to be jealous. And that did not work. The feelings, they got more and more intense. And finally, I was just driven. I said, Lord, show me what is wrong. Why is it that this is so inflamed within me? Why am I so consumed with this? And then the Lord showed me, you can't just cut off the top and say you're not going to be jealous without dealing with what's underneath that. There are some thought processes. There are some beliefs that you are having that's leading to the jealousy. So you have to deal with that. And I'm telling you, that was one of the most painful seasons of my life. But I'm so very grateful. It's like God did an emotional surgery on me. He showed me some things. He said, Georgia, this is coming from uh, the fact that you think your value comes from something that you don't have that this other person has. So it wasn't about the material. It was about what it was that I was thinking that that meant for me because I did not have that thing that the other person had, if that makes any sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And it was was difficult. It was difficult. Well, too, going back to that verse in Galatians where I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Yes. Our identity as Christians is not in possessions. our possessions or position None of that stuff. or any of that. It's in our place in Christ, Amen. our identity with him. Yes. Okay, now, fear was another thing you talk about. Yes. It seemed to dominate you as a youth when it came to the bullies you talked about and yes. also your desire to be a cheerleader. <laughs> Yes, I remember sitting in the bleachers and seeing the girls out there, you know, just doing their things and thinking, I would really, really love to do that. But immediately, I would just say, no, you can't do that because you'll get out there and you'll make a mistake or people will make fun. And, you know, it wasn't really an environment where I felt invited to do that sort of thing because I was the girl. I was the ugly girl. I was the girl that everybody thought didn't really matter. And Byron, just to kind of give you a real picture of of what was going on in my heart, I remember looking in the mirror one day thinking, I must there must be a mark or something on me. There's got to be a physical feature. There's got to be something that's on my face that tells people to pick on me. There's got to be one. And I remember looking in the mirror and I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. And I thought, okay, that must mean that it's there. But I'm the only person who cannot see it. Oh, Georgia. It was just it was just so very painful. And so you just walk around feeling like everybody in any given room is worth more than than I was. Oh. And so it was a very it was just a very difficult thing. And so that makes you afraid, because if you feel that people don't value you as a person, then you're going to be afraid to try anything. Anything as simple as as trying out for cheerleaders. You know, it was like I thought if I were to even go and sign up for trials, they would say, um, I'm so very sorry, but. The answer is already no. And that sounds so extreme, but that's where I was emotionally in those days. And so you can see the deception that the enemy, he was lying to me. Yes, he was. He was he was lying to me. And, and he does it over and over again to so yes. many. I reflected back in the time when I was in high school. I remember a student that I had gone to school with through much of high school. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that everybody picked on. Yes. There was a class we were in, and I saw just he was a 
so intelligent. I mean, he mm-hmm. knew mm-hmm. – uh, it was at Votech class we were involved with, and he right. was able to ace stuff. He knew the things. But he was picked on a lot. And I remember one day he went home, got into an argument with his father. And really his father was his best friend. His father was the only one that really listened to him, and mm-hmm. he felt like he could have confidence in. Yeah. But when he felt like he broke that confidence, his father left home angry. Oh, no. When his father came home, Tim hung himself. Oh, Lord, have mercy. That gets repeated, too. People yes. don't realize the power of words. Yes, and how that to... thought did cross my mind, too, Byron. I, I, I remember feeling so miserable that it was just painful just to, 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 to live every day. And I thought it would be better if I just wasn't here. But thankfully, I was a new believer, and I knew enough about God to know that he didn't want me to do that. And then there were some people that I that I absolutely loved that I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to put them through that. And so I'm thankful that the Lord did sustain my life because, I mean, I would have missed out on so very much. The enemy wanted to destroy me, you know, through my fear uh, and insecurity. But I'm so very grateful that the gospel got to me in time. And, you know, as little as I knew about God at the time, there was enough placed in me that, that gave me the will to live. Yes. Well, you know, we often, as you say, quote verses about being overcomers, but never venture to do the work of overcoming, as the verses say. You know, we, we yes. can quote the verses, but actually put them into practical use. Yes. Uh, you give an example of a boss who intimidates you at work. Was that from a personal experience of yours? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of, of, of opportunity. I mean, there was a boss that I was intimidated by, but he wasn't intimidating. Um, but yeah, I was just I was just asking the Lord, you know, just for scenarios. That and share that if you would, because I know there could be a, those listening that fall into that, and there maybe okay. they are in that place right now. Yes, you know, there may be someone who is in power who who takes advantage of of their authority and 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 you know is disrespectful to you and and says things maybe embarrasses you in front of other people. And I mean, it whatnot. could be your spouse. It Sad, could be absolutely sadly enough. Yes, it could be a spouse. It could be anyone. But one of the things that I had to learn early on, Byron, is that. Those people don't get the final say-so about my worth and value. God does. And if we can actually grasp that, and again, it does take time, especially if you heard so many other negative voices over a long period of time, getting into the word of God and asking God to show you specifically. And that was the thing that that really, really helped me. I was like, okay, Lord, I want to hear your voice. I need to hear what you say about me. That takes the roar out of the, the, the mouths of the lions. Well, you, you, but, you know, you say something I think is so important that you really wanted to hear God's voice, what God's heart was on the matter. Yes. But oftentimes, do we really want to hear that? Maybe we're deceived to thinking this is where, where we need to stay because this is the way it's always been. Okay. The answer is yes. You absolutely do want to get God's viewpoint on that because that's where the freedom is. When we linger, and I understand that that it's a frightening thing to change sometimes. You're so used to being miserable that the idea of getting outside of that is a frightening thing. What Mm -hmm. kinds of changes is is this going to require? But the beautiful thing is that you can come to God in all of your weakness and you can say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm afraid of what this is going to cost me. I'm afraid of the changes. But that was the place. It's almost like, you know, when you're an addict, you've got to be so miserable being where you are that you're willing to do whatever it takes to get out of that. But the thing that's even better about knowing Christ is that you can come to him and say, Lord, 
there's a part of me that doesn't even want to get out of this. We can be that vulnerable yes. and that honest with him. Right. You know, it's like the guy who said, Lord, I, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yes. We can say to him, Lord, this is so familiar to me and I'm frightened and all of that, but I really do need you to help me. God is so very good. He will meet you at that particular point of your weakness wow. and he will minister to you and he will bring you out of that darkness. I am living proof of that. Trauma, devastation, and brokenness. Life has a way of blindsiding and leaving us. And you talk about creative ways to express your emotions when blindsided by the unexpected. Things like a painting, playing a musical instrument, yes. or working with clay. Are these things that you've experienced? Yes. Writing was my thing. It was my outlet. It was my therapy. It was the thing that got me through a lot of those hard days being in, in high school. And then even as a young mom, I had so many fears. I went straight from my daddy's house to my husband's house and had never actually lived an independent life. And so there were a lot of things that a lot of other people probably weren't frightened by that scared me. Um, and so writing was my outlet. But yeah, God is such a provisional God that there is something that he has given you to do that is good for you, something that, that comes natural to mm, you, something, yeah. some sort of skill or something. He already knew that you would be in the place that you're at. Yeah. He knew that you were going to have a season where you're blindsided and you don't know what to do. So it's like the scripture that says um, when you're tempted, look for the way of escape because God yeah. has already put it there. Yes. So ask God for the outlet. You know, I was just thinking about King David. He played musical instruments. Yes. You know, if you read Psalms, you realize how stressful his life Absolutely. could be at times, yes. you know. Yes. But he found time to praise and worship the Lord yeah. during those times. God is faithful. Well, two other things that I want to mention. You talk about having an accountability partner. Because we do better when we know that we have to answer to someone. You know, it's like the, like I have a background in helping uh, addicts. I used to serve at, at the Mariah House. And so, I've, you know, I've learned a lot of principles. And so, you know, when a person is trying to uh, have new behaviors and have a different pattern of life, having someone that they're accountable to, someone who will lift them up when they're when they're down, someone yeah. who will give them perspective, yeah. someone who will help them stay on track. So any of these emotions, you know, if you if you feel like you're you're not able to do them on your own, even though you're talking to the Lord and all of that, God has installed the need in the human heart to have connection with another person who can identify and who can help us. So yes, absolutely find someone that you trust and say, this is what I need to do, and I need you to help me. And, you know, make that a priority in your life. You know, when we're rolling in these various emotions, you know, it's so easy to be self-absorbed. And you talk about the need to serve others. Yes, it's, it's a very powerful thing. Serving other people helps you see that however bad your situation is, somebody else has been in a worse situation. Also, that you're not alone. Yeah. And service takes your mind off of what you're going through, and it helps you relieve the, the pain of someone else. I believe that God has installed that in that. You know, sometimes you don't know what God is going to do until you, till you get there and you see it. And so when you serve somebody else, it, it has a way of lessening your own pain. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm not sure how that, how that works, but I know that it does. Unforgiveness, another messy emotion mm -hmm. that may have carried in our life many years. How do you forgive what seems unforgivable? The way that you forgive what seems unforgivable is that you don't focus on the act that was done to you. You focus on your offense to God and how he has forgiven you. One of the things that I say in the book is that forgiveness is really not about the other person so much as it is your relationship to God. Because Scripture says we are to forgive as we have been forgiven. Yes. You're not going to be anybody 
who has sinned more against you than you have sinned against the Holy God. And so when you take that perspective, it releases some chains. It breaks some chains. It really, really does. Focus on the grace that God has given you, and it will soften your heart toward the other person. Amen. And again, your book continues to reference Scripture, reference Scripture, you know. And that's the power of God's Amen. word. That's the transforming power we Absolutely. need. I mean, you're, you're talking about when fighting against out of control anger, you refer to Ephesians six fourteen through seventeen. That's about the battle we're in, the putting Absolutely. on the armor. Yes, yes. Satan is an instigator, and he loves to um, to to pit us against one another. But when we put on the armor of God, we're suited up for whatever He wants to bring our yeah. our, our way on any given day. What are some of those lies the devil gives us? concerning the triggers that discharge our anger. Well, one of the lies is that um, that anger tells us we have to prove something to someone, that we have to defend our own selves, that we have to uh, protect our own reputations and things like that. All of that was settled at the cross. Another lie is that people will draw certain conclusions about us if we don't respond in anger. The Lord is the one who fights our battles. He really is. Those are some great things to reflect on, to really long ponder, <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. And, and, and you've written it all in the book. Again, the, the book is titled A Christian Woman's Guide to Overcoming Messy Emotions by Dr. Georgia Pointer. As we've said, it's not just for women, but uh, it's kind of written with women's heart and mind. Guys, you need to get a copy of this book, too. We didn't get to go through everything. There's uh, eight chapters in the book. I mean, that's what I love about it. It's just the perfect book. Packs a punch <laughs> in eight chapters, fear, devastation, and brokenness, unforgiveness, anger, insecurity, jealousy, guilt and shame, worry, and anxiety. You need to get a copy of the book. Where can folks get copies of your book? Well, if you live in the Memphis area, you can get a copy at the Bellevue um, Bookstore at Bellevue Baptist Church. Um, it's also available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You have a personal website that people can go yes, to. Yes, I do. It's called uh, encouragementoutpost.com. It's, uh, I write uh, uh, devotional, um, uh, encouraging words for, for anyone who feels like they're needing it at any given moment. I feel like the Lord has really used that. So encouragementoutpost.com. You can also find a link to purchase the book on that website as well. Georgia, are you available for speaking engagements? Absolutely. I would love to speak at a women's retreat or, or anyone uh, who feels like they, they can benefit from me coming to talk to them on this topic. You can send a request to me at P.O. Box 444, Brighton, Tennessee, 38011. Or you may contact me at OrdinaryGirl.com, O-R-D-I-N-E-R-R-Y Girl.com. <laughs> I love that. Dr. Georgia Pointer, God bless you, my dear sister. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you, Byron. This has been a pleasure. Thank you for taking time to write this book. We need to hear these words. Yes, praise the Lord. God Thank bless you, so you. Thank you so much. Bless you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Mid-South Viewpoint, on the air now for 36 years. Today's show is available on our website at botradionetwork.com and on podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Music.